Welcome to this edition of the 3 and 2 What's He Gonna Do podcast. I'm Dan Zielinski of the Baseball Prospect Journal, thirdmanin.com. Joined as always with Colin Cannonberg of statswipe.com. And baseball season's almost here. We got a busy, busy podcast with baseball, yeah. college basketball. Let's not beat around the bush. This is like the best time in sports. We have, you know, we have the Masters coming up next yeah. uh, two weeks. We have March Madness in, in full swing right now and, and opening day on Thursday. We're missing the NASCAR race right now in Bristol. Oh, on the dirt track. I forgot about that. Yeah. Another yep. high profile event. We got NASCAR going on. <laughs> yep. I would have watched it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Just, just a lot going on. And, um, this basketball tournament has been crazy. And I mean, we could do how much talk on March Madness alone, yeah. but I think, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty uh, focused on baseball and reviewing baseball, but one piece of local news that, um, we want to touch on is Shaka Smart, uh, <laughs> leading number, you know, the three seed Texas to a loss against Texas Abilene Christian. So, um, he is now Marquette's new coach. And you are against that hire. Why? Yeah, he's bad. It's. I mean, it's a good hire if uh, you want another Wojo, because he's a guy who recruits well, doesn't win big games, but that's all right. Being a being a UWM fan, I'm not going to fault Marquette for hiring a mediocre coach to let Milwaukee hopefully get the spotlight next year in uh, the 2021-22 season. The difference is Smart actually does lead teams to the NCAA tournament and is a winner. Oh. Um, whereas. Winner. Woj wasn't, and I think players like Shaka Smart, whereas players didn't like Woj. Winner is Winner. questionable. It, what do you want to win? A reg, regular season game against TCU in December, or do you want to win a Final Four game? Neither are going to get the job done. I mean, if we look at Shaka Smart, was that one of the best college basketball destinations in Texas, they throw more money behind their program than almost anyone, even more than Marquette. Um, 109 and 86 in his six years there. Never got out of the round of 64. Mm -hmm. Winless in the NCAA tournament, obviously. And they were always like the higher seed too. He always got upset. And whether you want to say, oh, it was unlucky because someone made a half court shot or this, that, or the other, they were still the higher seed, the favorite and they still got beat regardless of how the ending occurred. So, I mean, and if you take away his final four appearance with VCU in only his second year, it's not like he built that entire team. He was inheriting a quality team. He hasn't really done much. He's only won a few tournament games in his career. He built that VCU. No, they were, they were good before he got there. They, they were 27 the, and nine when he got there. They only made the NCAA tournament twice since 95 before he got there. So from 95 to, or from 95 to 2009, only, only twice, whereas Smart led him to five NCAA tournaments. Yeah, which but they also it won only just a few inherited. games. They got to the final four, the round of 32 twice, and then they got bounced in the first round twice. Yeah, for a team that had just switched conferences, that was in the midst of a conference switching, and, and you know, for a mid-major, okay. that's okay. pretty good. Okay. Yes, he got there with VCU. Yeah, but the, you, there's no argument to be made. He's taken a step backwards because Texas was ready to fire him. 
I mean, yeah, he probably did see writing on the wall that one more bad season, he would have been out. Kind of how, you know, Tom Crane in, in Indiana. Yeah, for sure. Won the Big Ten outright next year, had a bad year, Michigan. got canned. You know, he kind of saw that, and that's just a big program move, you yeah. know, one bad season. But but the thing is, I, I like the com- competitive atmosphere that he has. Even when he's missed the NCAA tournament, he did win the 2018-2019 NIT tournament. And but I, at Texas, if he's at UWM, that's an accomplishment. And I, at Texas, that's an embarrassment that they're even in the NIT. I think it just keeps kids competitive, and he keeps showing. He, he shows had so fun. many talented recruiting classes. I'll give him that. He's a good recruiter. Yeah. He drafted some high-profile NBA picks. Mm-hmm. But I don't know the the record. His postseason success are less than desirable. I still think if he wasn't a Wisconsin native. Marquette doesn't make this higher. I think I'd rather have had uh, Porter Moser from Loyola mm-hmm. because he's at least of shown course. an ability to build a program up. And Loyola does have some quality resources. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he would have necessarily left Loyola because he's pretty much set up to win there. And I think they would have been able to match his salary at least up to a couple million or close to that. Right. But regardless, I don't know. I just think – I think I would have rather taken – chance on a like a Porter Moser if that's a chance or even like a mid-major coach who's had some success and hope to that sounds I, like Shaka Smart he was a mid-major no, coach had, who had success yeah, eight six years ago to me this is high ceiling low like potential and you know what I don't payoff. think maybe you're not going to win Shaka. a national title with Shaka Smart as your coach but you're going to get potentially to the Sweet 16 where Buzz Williams is getting them every year. Mm-hmm. And maybe Shaka isn't much of a big school coach. Texas is a pretty premier job. Maybe it got to him. Um, I think maybe taking a step down to Marquette, it, you know, it's a slight step down. Not, not to say Marquette's, you know, a small basketball school. They're, they're, you they know, a high mid-major. Yeah. I, I don't even consider <laughs> the Big East. No, they're Big East is a mid-major, but um yeah, I think I think it's a great hire. Just what if what if you would shave his head? Does that make a difference? Well, if you're gonna shave his head, you should have just hired John Beeline. Uh. <laughs> I I think shaved shaved head Shaka is gonna be great. I, if I'm Marquette, I say you know, shave his head. head. His head wasn't shaved today for the press conference. I know. We sh- he should have shaved it as a clean start and exactly but, he should have. So it's. Not getting off to a good start for Marquette. So do you think he leads them to well, how many tournaments in the next five years? Three. And then how far do you think he'll get? Like the furthest he gets in five years. I think he might get to the sweet sixteen one time. I would consider a sweet sixteen once in five pretty no, not for as much money as they coming could. coming off of this year. I think next year. I don't know how the recruiting class talent next year. They have talent on this year's team. They just Rojo couldn't coach. Yeah, no, I agree. He wasn't good, but it'll be interesting. Uh, Shaka recruited a guy from Brookfield Central that is a really good recruit to Texas, and he's committed there. So we'll see if he trips that commitment Hopefully. to Marquette. So right, it'll be I don't know. It'll be an interesting time in Milwaukee for college basketball next year. Yeah, 
yeah. Baldwin Jr.'s got to commit to UWM to make that. Uh, okay, should he be committing? We've been talking about him committing for the last year. Isn't I don't it get, like too late at this point? No, I mean, what is he? The only thing I'll say is the top player in the class hasn't committed yet, and some other top 100 commits. There's still plenty of guys who haven't committed. The signing period opens April 14th again and runs through August. If he doesn't commit by the end of May, I think I already think it's weird that he hasn't committed. Yeah, it is weird. But if he doesn't commit early on in the the signing process, yeah, I don't know if he's wanting to take visits mm-hmm. to places and hasn't been able to or what. But I think it's a little weird. But I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, I'm waiting to see along with everyone else. I mean, it'd be great if Milwaukee could be the central program. Uh, oh yeah. Wisconsin, but yeah, um, yeah. So that's kind of the college basketball uh, news. I'm cheering for Oregon State at this point to just go to the championship and win it. I don't know. You watch the UCLA Alabama game? I yeah. can have shot free throws better than Alabama. Yeah. They uh, what? They missed 14 free throws. They should have easily won that game. They should have. Yeah, and it's it's disappointing. I was cheering for NATO, it's Wisconsin native to to go all the way. Yeah. And they're they were a good man, they're a good team. They just they couldn't finish it out yesterday. And I'm, it's it's crazy. So now left in the Elite Eight is UCLA, USC, and Oregon State. Three Pac-12 teams, and you got Michigan, Houston, Arkansas. And Baylor and Gonzaga. Gonzaga, yeah. So like, it's a tons weird of teams out on the West Coast and like, yeah, yeah. It's just a weird group of teams, you know, just random teams. I mean, Oregon State, USC. I mean, people knew kind of USC had. Is talent, this set, you think it's set up for Gonzaga to win it all over Baylor, or do you think there's gonna be another upset somewhere? Yeah, honestly, I, I see it being that way, and. I'm, first of all, I'm sick of Gonzaga. I, I feel like they're the most annoying team at this. Any broadcast, and I keep hearing, Timmy with the rebound, Timmy with the shot, Timmy, Timmy. I just keep hearing that. I'm like, oh, please get eliminated. They but are then good. they run in. They, they run into t- – I, I, I agree. They are good. But I feel a little bit as if they've had an easy path to – I mean, I don't think Oklahoma was good at uh, all. They barely squeaked by Mizzou, and they – I, I don't Oklahoma played Gonzaga tough though. They only lost by like what, twelve or something. <laughs> yeah. But like if you look at Gonzaga's schedule, and, Gonzaga's blowing. And Creighton, I knew was just gonna get shredded considering they limped into limped into the um into the tournament and just barely squeaked by whatever team that you um I will say it's been a crazy year unpredictable year. Yeah, I mean more than I think last few years. I mean when you get, I think this is the first time ever there's, what, 11 or worse seeds, two of them in the Elite Eight. Yeah. So, I mean. Yeah, it's fun. I love it. You know, and that's, it's just, that it just shows how hard it is to actually win an NCAA tournament yeah. is because anything, anything happens in, in one game. So, like this, especially being March Madness. Exactly. So, we'll see. It'll be fun. Yeah. But before we get to the national title game, Brewers open the season on Thursday. Yes. Opening day. Should be fun. Yep. And uh, it just got announced. Uh, Lure got tri- option to triple A. He's been. Fun. He's had the what shoulder or arm injury. And yeah. He hasn't hasn't produced with the Brewers so far. I still think there's some back end rotation type potential. 
in him, but mm-hmm. he's gonna have to figure it out. I mean, his spring line—he pitched five innings, gave up eight earned runs, seven walks, and that. Yeah, he he just couldn't. When he wasn't walking people, he was just throwing meatballs to people. Who do you think they start in center field? Who do you think they should start in center field? I think they have to start JBJ. Um, I think I I think they're over Lorenzo Cain. I think the only reason so. he's on the team is because he's the highest paid player on the team. Right. But I think the way things went down last year, I think his age, his the last couple of years, whether it's opting out or inability to produce, inability to stay healthy at times, mm-hmm. um, I think they're kind of over him. And he's, he's been getting injured in spring training, yeah. and nor has he hit in spring training, which no. not to not to say spring training st- stats mean anything, but when you've taken a year off, I want to see at least put some good at-bats together in spring training, and, yeah. and he just hasn't. I don't, I don't see him being effective at all. Whereas on the other side, you have JBJ, who's coming off, you know, arguably his best offensive season. He's pretty much had two offensive seasons, one of which being last year. So I think being the hot hand that he is there and fairly comparable defensively, you know, both very good defensively. Again, he played last year, so I have more trust in the guy who has played and is in condition. I I think with if Kane would be slotted in the lineup, I think the lineup is more predictable and how you can see the Brewers filling it out. But with uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. in it, how would you fill out the lineup card? With, because the rest of the lineup well, card? I, in I terms mean, of batting lineup, because oh. with Kane, I could see you making the case of putting Colton Wong lead off, yeah, Renzo Kane two, uh-huh. Yelich three, Keston four, uh, Evisel Garcia five, Travis Shaw, or Travis Shaw probably five, yeah. Garcia six, Navarre's seventh, the shortstop eighth. Yeah. Because then it's left, right, left, right. But now, if you put Bradley, Colton Wong, and then Yelich one, two, three, that's three straight lefties. Does that matter though? I don't see it mattering. I mean, I. I don't think it matters, especially with the pitching rule having that you have to stay in for, you know, if you think later in a game, pitchers have to stay in for how long now? Um, you don't think it's that big of a deal? No. Would you bet Keston fourth regardless of who's in center field? I don't even know if I bet Keston fourth. I, I probably, Farther down? Yeah. I'm not... I'm it's not a, high on Keston. It's I, don't a make or, I don't want to say it's a make or break year for him, but because it's only going to be his third year. Uh-huh. But he looked kind of lost at the plate last year. I mean, strikeout numbers are up. He still had the power, but he struggles to get on base. Defensively, he's a non-factor. And if you're not going to produce offensively at first base, they'll bring back Ryan Braun right. or someone to play first base. Dan Vogelbach yeah. off the bench. Yeah. So do you think this year he can dip his strikeout rate below 30%? I mean, that's not saying much, 30%. What was the last year, you know? At 30. He's never been below 30 in his two years. No. I think he's the Corey. He's he's like Corey Ray. Both him and Keston, when they are drafted, yeah. were considered just kind of pure hitters, could hit mm-hmm. for average, get on base, also hit for some power. Both those guys have lost, and now Keston's obviously gotten to the major leagues. But the guy has gone from, which I thought he might, more power over average. But when I thought that, I thought he'd be hitting 280, 275. Yeah. Now he's hitting 225. Right. And I think, 
I don't see that improving. Do you think he could lead the team in home runs? Yeah, I think so. But I don't know how valuable a 200 hitter that strikes out 150 times with 35 home runs is. Right. I, I mean, how I see his game log going is, you know, two for five with two dingers and then the next two games and then next, yeah. And then (laughs) next game, next two games, he'll go like 0 for eight with a combined six strikeouts and then he'll hit a home run and then 0 for it's, it's a frustrating line that I don't see really being that valuable. And that's why I think the biggest question mark going into the year is the offense, because Mm -hmm. even though Yelich, I think is a top three player in the game, he's still coming off a down year. Um, Colton Wong was a huge addition. I think that's going to help. But what do you get from him? Are you getting a 245 hitter or a 280 hitter? Yeah. Jackie Bradley's kind of the same way. That's why I just think their offense is so many question marks and really is going to dictate their success. Because I think pitching-wise, they got the best pitching staff in the division. Right. So I just want to talk with Yelich. I think he's – I mean, I think the team will live and die by Yelich this year pretty much. Um and I was looking up earlier today, again, not saying spring numbers are right. set in stone, but there was a clear deviation from, from his, um, so just taking batting average in 2017, he hit 345 in spring training, 2018, 300, 2019, 442. Last year, 2020, he hit 182 and now this year it's back up to 400. So I think the fact that he, does tend to get going during spring is important. And this year he's back up to where he was during his MVP seasons. And last year was a clear, clear deviation from that. Well, I want to say too, if I remember correctly, Craig Council put Yelich in games earlier than like last year, the previous Mm -hmm. year, because he wanted to hopefully get him going and then rest him a little bit in the middle and then put him back in that later on spring which training. is great i i like that that move um and i think i think yelich will will be back i mean we've been talking over the weeks uh, with our fantasy baseball draft coming about yelich and i've been you know kind of thinking well do i keep yelich over um cory seager and i've been kind of going back and forth on that i have to stick with yelich i th- i think the guy has shown enough you know especially in spring to give me more confidence and Baseball being such a mental game, I don't think Yelich was mentally in it last year with COVID. I or health, maybe healthy even. Or healthy, yeah, at that point too. I, I really like where he where he's at right now. But um, so Zips projects him at a three point nine WAR. Now Zips is always very you know conservative for the most part, just in terms of projections. Hitting two seventy three average. Do you think that he'll exceed either of those numbers? Will he get a? That's a kind war? of the average WAR for his that's it um like of like those where's top, mike, yeah where's mike trout where's i think problem trout's maybe at like four or five so he's six. not uh, he's probably a point or two lower than trout yeah i think i can see yellow shitting high twos around 30 home runs 95 rbis hopefully steals maybe 10 bases mm-hmm. or something like that do you think enough to get him in like a top three finish Mm, that's tough because, I mean, there's so many vari- variables with mm-hmm. that. It wouldn't shock me if he's in the top three. It wouldn't yeah. shock me, though, if he does those similar kind of numbers that I said in these right. top six because, 
I mean, you're going to have one or two guys go off this year yeah. that are unpredictable, or maybe finally have a breakout year like Nakunia mm-hmm. gets up there or Soto. Um, but yeah, I think if you can hit high twos around 30 home runs, driving about 100 RBIs, I think that's a quality year. Yeah, I think, I think the Brewers are happy with, that. with mm-hmm. paying them. I think that's more than enough. Another guy um, is Colton Wong. He'll likely be hitting leadoff for the Brewers, yeah. and I think that's who you think. Yep. Yeah. And, and I like that. And uh, both, you know, Zips and Steamer, the two projection systems on fan graphs, have him as the second highest war on the Brewers behind Yelich. Um, position player wise? Position player wise. Yeah. Yep. So I think a lot that, you know, people are saying being in Miller Park where it favors left handed yep. hitters quite, quite well. Um, you know, he could have plenty of balls that wouldn't go out at Bush Stadium that, that will go out at Miller Park. And, um, I guess, do you think that he, he's projected at 10 home runs? Do you think he could pass? His career high is 12. Do you think he could surpass 12 home runs this yeah, year? Yeah, before you even said 10, I was going to say I could see him easily at 15, yeah. 18 home runs. Maybe not easily, but I think he could be around 15 to 18 because, you, like you said, Miller Park favors left-handed hitters, and I think he's also going to have some protection in that lineup because if he's hitting at the top of the lineup, guys are going to throw him strikes because mm-hmm. they want to try to get him out before Yelich and Pan Hira, how he does. They're going to want to get those guys out in front of him um, instead of risk walking them or yeah. something like that. So I could see him having a really good year. I mean, when they made that signing, at first I looked at his offensive numbers and was kind of unsure. But I think Miller Park, maybe even a new situation just in general where he's kind of expected to produce more whereas i feel like with the cardinals he was just another guy yeah so maybe he kind of steps up to the plate there as well but yeah i could see him easily surpassing that yeah i think he's kind of a big piece to this team um excited to see how he does i for sure defensively uh he's going to be a big i mean going from Keston to him adds so much um yeah and, and also, I looked up, he does, in terms of NL Central ballparks, he's had the highest OPS at Miller Park yeah, compared to other well parks. Um, yeah. Did you have any other players that we want to talk? Some pitching? I, I mean, you think? how do you think Travis Shaw does this year? I, I think he'll bounce back. I think he might surprise some people what, this year. With what they're paying him, if he can even just – hit like 250 with mm-hmm. 20 home runs, 60, 70 RBIs. I think that's more than enough yeah. for what you're paying them. The shortstop situation is going to be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Luis Urias is a guy going in and yeah, RC is going to bounce between a shortstop and third base. So you you think that's a smart move? I do. I, I think you bring Urias in. He, I don't think he's been given really a great shot at it yet no. you know he got injured early on last year and um i think you give him his pedigree in the minors is so good he, he's been a hitter and uh and flashes of defense too and, and i think overall he, he's a ball player who with the high ceiling that he has you have to give him a try yeah i mean because like arcia last year maybe at his best one of his best offensive seasons in the major leagues he had 260 um, obviously shortened year, only five home runs and just under 200 plate appearances. So over 600 at-bats, it's only 15 home runs. I think 
Urias could surpass that, but there's still a lot of question marks with him just because he hasn't shown it at all in the major leagues. Yeah. But he's – you know what you have in Arcia. Mm-hmm. So if you're hoping to find another contributor to go with Colton Wong, Jackie Bradley, Yelich, maybe Hira, and who knows what you get out of Garcia, then I think it's worth taking that risk and right. hopefully getting more of a reward. Yeah. So I have here my five Brewers predictions, and and we'll see see what the people think. Um, they're not exactly old predictions, but they're predictions. So so one of them I have is the Brewers will lead all of baseball in the in the defense um, in defense based on FanGraphs um, defensive rankings. They'll be number one. And last year they placed eighth, so they were a good defensive team. But I think given the upgrades of Jackie, you know, Jackie Bradley Jr. on the team and Colton Wong at second, um, I think they're going to be the best defensive team in baseball. Definitely going to be better with Keston not at second base. Now how he does at first base, time will tell. But definitely going to be better up the middle. Mm -hmm. Second one I have is that Woodruff and Burns will be a top five duo in strikeouts and ERA in, in all of baseball. That's interesting. I could easily see Corbin Burns duplicating last year's success. It's another big year for him because he came up a couple years ago, was really good. Um, two years ago, struggled, only had the two pitches, and then this past year was really good. Um, I can see that definitely. But it's still not – I don't want to say it because nothing's a guarantee, but mm-hmm. you still – Corbin Burns still has to go out there and prove it because yeah. he hasn't put two years back-to-back that have been mm-hmm. quality. So mm-hmm. I think Woodruff, though, is an underrated guy and could easily be in the Cy Young race. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I also have that we will see Ethan Small in a postseason push. I think they bring him up. Ethan Small. Let me look at it. Not, I feel like – he hasn't done much. He hasn't proven so much as of yet. You're not worried though. He hasn't made it above single A. No, I think if he sh- he comes out strong in in the minors this year, and coming down the stretch, if the Brewers are in a in a push, I think they they give him a shot. Ugh, I hate guys who don't throw like above ninety. But he's, I mean, he developed through he's a college. He's lefty. Yeah. I, I don't feel like you need to. Um, I think he's kind of like a Brandon Finnegan guy. Who sees more Indians in the major leagues, Lauer or uh, Small? He's in Small. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, I think Lauer yet, Lauer, but barely. I don't know. I think it's more, the odds are he'd be up before Ethan Small again. Oh, Laura we'll needs see. to make a lot of adjustments. That might be that's your boldest prediction so far. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Until maybe this one. I'm saying Omar Narvaez bounces back, hits 215, 17 home runs this year. But is that good? I expect that. Well, after last year. Well, after last year, I mean, yeah, he's terrible. Yeah. Well, when they acquired him, that was easily what I would have expected. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I'm wouldn't necessarily be surprised because that's why they traded for him was to have at least those kind of numbers. Right. Now, because he had such a bad year last year, maybe. But yeah. they also need him to produce at least that for this offense to be any good. Right. And I don't know how 
you know, they plan to split with him and um, I'd rather put him out there than Pena because yeah. you know what you got in Pena offensively right. and it's not much. Throw Pena in, in an extra innings Mother's Day game and <laughs> they'll be it. Um, and finally, so just a, a record predi- prediction. So Picota projects him at an 84 and 73 record. Um, I agree. I think the Brewers will end up winning the division this year maybe get 90 wins, but I think it's a stretch to say they'll win 92. Um, but I think they do win the division just because of how weak it is. Mm-hmm. And I think they have the pitching um, to give them a chance, but more so just the number of players that were down last year and the Brewers still were good. Put Yelich back up to, you know, you know, not even an MVP, but just slightly below MVP caliber, have Narvaez bounce back, have a solid year out of JBJ in center field. I think there's a lot of bounce, more bounce backs than there would be drop backs. How would you rank the division from top to bottom? I would say Brewers one, Cubs two, Cardinals three, Reds four. The Cardinals starting rotation is not very good. Yeah. I mean, no one really has a starting. The Reds might have the Reds with Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo rivals the Brewers. It might I was so right high, there with the Brewers. I was so high on the Reds last year. I think I yeah, lost them. Now. I know. I they, they lost my trust. I expected better of them. I did. And the Pirates are going to be lucky to win like half their games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just going to they're 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 going to have hundred losses. The only reason they might not is because the division besides the Pirates isn't like they don't have a Dodgers they don't have a Padres right. they don't have they could squeak in and they're gonna pull off a fluky four-game sweep of the Brewers <laughs> at some point um but yeah I I think that's how it will go what do you think the rankings are I would probably put Cardinals two Cubs three I think the Cubs need to just blow it up yeah, their minor league system's not very good. They underachieved after winning the World Series for whatever reason. Yeah, they weren't that dynasty people thought was going to no. happen. And, I mean, Chris Bryant could be gone after this year. Uh, I want to say Rizzo's contract's getting close to being Yeah, but he's be. getting older, too. Right. Their outfield, who knows what you got with those guys. And mm-hmm. They still have never been able to develop pitching, and Craig Kimbrell's still a nightmare at the back yep. end of the bullpen. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, but otherwise, we have fans, AmFam Field, still Miller Park to me is going to, um, <laughs> still going to be having fans. I checked out prices that opening day. Tickets are expensive for terrace seats. Um, Someone told me you could get Cubs seat tickets against the Cubs for 25 bucks. I don't, know, I don't know how many days old. 24 that. bucks, but then they'll tack on the $20 preferred parking that you have and no the choice. Yeah. The parking is the $20? I'm sure they're upping it. It's 17 for the preferred parking. But um, you can't select the just normal no. parking where it's no. 12 or whatever? Nope. And they up that for to 14 now. And when you do. I wonder if you call it and order tickets that way. Yeah, instead of. Online. Yeah. Criminal. Trying to recoup their losses. I know. I don't. I'm. You know. And then here's the thing. I'd be fine paying for parking, but when we're not allowed to tailgate either, it's yeah. like, well, then 
why am I here? 15 minutes before the game starts. Yeah. yeah. Pay 20 bucks to park at the back of the lot because you're probably socially distancing the cars. Yeah. No, it's at this point in the season, it's not worth me paying tickets to go. I just have money to go golfing instead. Right. I guess if you think about it too, we saved so much money not going to sporting events last year or doing anything. That's like, well, I guess. Yes, we could throw some at a game, but boy, I I just think the fact that they they have you do you know force you for parking, it really that that ticks me off, and I can only imagine they probably up the price of a Miller Lite to like fifteen 30. bucks. <laughs> yeah, Ugh. it's not Buffalo Wild Wings beer either. Oh, Buffalo Wild Wings has the best beer. The temperature, just the and no one goes there i've never heard anyone be like yeah are we gonna go to a go to the bar yeah let's go to beta you know usually people yeah. do actually want their wings and to watch sports but yeah. to go there for a beer they have was cold. they have like 30 you know 30 choices on draft of local breweries yeah. and they just have at the best temperature aerated perfectly nothing is better than a b-dubs beer maybe like, we'll just have to go there on tuesdays or thursdays yeah for uh, a brewer's game we almost should just uh tuesday thursday wing wing deal yeah with the nice miller light right yeah so um quickly world before we wrap this up world series prediction because i don't know if we've done that yeah, in a previous yeah. episode um so just get it on record who do you got okay this might be an embarrassing record so AL of the Yankees, like that's a normal yeah. pick. Yeah. NL, don't laugh. I have ragged on this team for years. The Mets. I think it's gonna be. Who wins? I think it's gonna be the a New York World Series with the Yanks winning. Who wins? Yankees and six. I can get on board with the Yankees being in the World Series. I think them and the Rays are clearly the best teams in the. Yep. There's no super team or power team in the AL. There's a lot of just really good teams, but the Yankees and Rays are the cl- the best teams. Mm-hmm. NL, it's wide open because you've got the Dodgers, Padres. I look at the NL East by itself and I'm like, Atlanta, boy, any team can come out of this NL East. Yeah. All <laughs> those teams are playoff contenders. I mean, the Marlins might be the worst team and they made the postseason. Even the Marlins can put up a fight now. I yeah. mean... Um, uh, it's hard to go. I kind of want to say a rematch of last year, but that's so unlikely. So I would probably say Dodgers and Yankees. And it's hard to I want. Yeah, it's hard to go against the Dodgers it's just because so they have so much talent. Like if they don't win it, that's yeah. They need to win it and win it like in five or six games. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's a disappointment for right. them. So I mean, again, like we said, Dodgers, Padres, Mets, Braves, mm-hmm. best teams in. Uh, the NL by far, so anyone could get there. Are you buying the White Sox? Do you think they could be a World Series contender? I still uh, think they're a year not, off. Not after Eloy's injury. Mm-hmm. I think I think Eloy Jimenez's injury really puts a you know, yeah. sting in their their role. So I don't I don't buy them. What Kopech isn't really healthy yet either. No, they're gonna ease him back. They're gonna ease him back. So without I. I think that, yeah, I think next year maybe yeah. when Eloy's back, when they have a, hopefully a healthy Kopech and Giolito, yeah. I think then they have a team that will compete. Wrap it up then? Yeah, sure. I'll do it for now. And um, 
everyone enjoy opening day send us comments questions whatever i'm sure we both will be keeping tabs on all the opening day festivities um find us on soundcloud spotify apple podcasts and google play we are also on youtube if you want to watch us and be sure to submit your questions or anything you want us to discuss Again, that's Dan from thirdmanin.com and Baseball Prospect Journal. I'm Colin from StatsWipe. We will see you next week for some more baseball.